Yeah, thank you. That guy was good looking, right? Uh, Kingdom Builders is our way of giving to uh, outreach and missions around the world. And many people give on a regular basis to support the ministry of the church. But then Kingdom Builders funds all kinds of ministries outside of our doors, reaching our community, supporting missionaries, supporting organizations that fight for social justice and to liberate oppressed people like women and children from sex trafficking to feed those who are hungry. And so we just believe that as Christians, God's given us so much. He put us here in a America, blessed us, gave us uh, so much that we could give and make a difference in other people's lives. And Kingdom Builders is how we do that. Man, many of you give on a regular basis to outreach, and some people haven't done that before. But at the end of the year here, we have this miracle offering, and it's next Sunday, and everyone can participate. Even if you've never given to outreach before, you can participate, and I would ask you to pray and ask God how you could do that, how you could participate. Um, This is what we call in our church spirit-led sacrificial giving. It's giving above and beyond, you know, our tithes and regular offerings to the Lord. It's giving outside of our comfort zone just because God told us to. So if you feel led to participate in this offering here next week, you can ask God what he would have you to do and then listen to his spirit give you that kind of guidance. And this is what I was doing last night. I was praying about what I should give to the Kingdom Builders offering next week and asking God. And he started like going back and forth with me on some numbers here, you know, and I'm like, well, how high are we going here? Because we got to four digits. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and uh, then I'm, it's like the price is right game with God, you know. So what's the first digit? What's the second number, you know? And we settled on a number that was very random and weird and odd. And I don't know why he gave me this number. I told Amy, this is what I feel like God has told me to give. And she's like, what does that mean? And I, I don't know. It's just a random number. So whatever God tells you to do, you should not do more than that and not do less than that, but do exactly what he tells you to do. Ask him how he would have you to participate and to give, and it's going to make a difference in people's lives that you don't even know. Isn't that incredible? I mean, talk about making a difference in people's lives. How about these people that were standing up here sharing their testimony of God changing their lives? I mean, that's what it's all about. Do we have any passionate people in the room this morning who are born again and filled with the Spirit who know that Jesus makes a difference in your life? I love it. We're going to conclude our series today, um, the series called Stronger, where we've been looking at the life of Samson. And I want to speak to you on the subject of failing forward. That's the title of this message, failing forward. And Samson has been really one of the most interesting guys in the Bible to study and read about. He was a special kind of superhuman character who had this unnatural strength God had given him. And God had a special calling on his life to use Samson to begin the process of liberating his people from the oppressive Philistines. God gave him this special strength and called Samson to to live according to a, a special set of vows. He wasn't supposed to touch dead things or drink alcohol or cut his hair. And God gave him this strength, but he was a a warrior. He was a man's man. He's a guy that all, all the guys read about in the room. And man, we just get inspired and fired up. And we feel like fighting with the jawbone of a donkey, you know, even though that's probably not the right thing to do. You just kind of feel that, that warrior spirit coming out in you when you hear about Samson and what he did. 
But he's such a tragic hero at the same time because he had, you know, just a really flawed character. He was incredibly strong physically, but he had an incredibly weak will. And so he got sucked into all kinds of destruction. He was led astray by lust and his own entitlement and his pride. And he had emotional problems like a temper. And he had pride issues that caused him to get himself into trouble. And so I love this story so much, I think, because we can all relate to Samson so much. Every single person in this room has a special purpose for your life. You have a special purpose for your life. God has called you and he has chosen you to use you for a special and unique purpose. But like Samson, so many times we mess our own lives up with our own foolish choices, really. And and you see Samson last week, if you were here, that he got captured by the Philistines. He was put in chains. He had his eyes gouged out put in prison to do manual labor, to grind this grain. And then eventually he got brought out to this party to be entertainment for the Philistines. I mean, how, how terrible and shameful would that have been? Let me ask you guys, this series has been especially for you, but ladies, I believe you can get a lot out of this as well because it's God's word. But guys, especially for you, what do you do when you've blown it? When you know, I just, I've blown it, I've messed up, I, I lost my temper, I did something I shouldn't have done. I said something I shouldn't have done. I wasted a valuable opportunity. It's one of the hardest things in the world, especially for a guy. I don't know if you realize this, ladies, but for guys, we take failure extra hard because we tend to draw our sense of self-worth from our accomplishments, our achievements, our victories. We take those achievements very seriously. They mean a lot to us, and it makes us feel good as guys. Like, I was at the dentist a couple weeks ago. The dental hygienist told me that I had incredible home care. I was flossing like a champion. I went home. I told my wife, excellent home care, babe. And then I posted on on Facebook, you know, that my home care, my hygiene was excellent. It's an accomplishment. I felt good about it. I felt proud about it. And and so, guys, we tend to take failure so hard. Um, But girls, it's not quite that same way for you. I mean, nobody wants to fail, but women, you tend to draw your, your sense of value from relationships. Isn't that right? Right, ladies? Like, relationships are so important. Like, um, I'll tell my wife, you know, about my victory, and she'll say, how did you feel about that? What were you feeling in that moment, right? What, what's going on in your, in your mind? Girls are so relational. Everything is about relationship. It's like, I just need to find somebody to hug. I, I just want to hug someone right now. You'll do. Let's hug. Let's cry. I want to share with you. Even going to the restroom is a relationship experience for women, right? Like, hey, I'm going to the restroom. Do you want to go with me? Come on, let's do it. Anybody else we know that can go to the restroom with us? Come on. And then you all go and you're gone forever. We don't even know what's happening in there. We're about to send out a rescue party. And then you come back. Guys do not do that, you know? Like, guys, no guy has ever asked me to go to the restroom with him. Now, when you go to the restroom as a guy and you see one of your friends in there, you can talk to them, but you cannot make eye contact. You just... Look straight ahead, and so, and then you know you just kind of do your thing. You stare at the wall. You don't you don't look over. You don't you don't you don't do, you don't do that. Straight ahead, focus. We're not as relational as guys. We want to be liked, but that's not the most important thing to us. More than we want to be liked as guys, we want to be respected. 
We want you to respect us. And that's how we tend to gain our sense of self-worth. And so when we fail, we take it so personally. It's like it's so hard to imagine recovering from failure. And that's why, generally speaking, for a man, his greatest fear is failure and his greatest pain is regret. We always just struggle with that, that regret of failure. Man, I wish I would have. I, I, I know I should have. I wish I could go back in time. What was I thinking? Maybe you sold all those shares of Apple stock in 1985, and you're like, what was I doing? I could be a millionaire right now. Hopefully, you don't have too many moments of regret in your life, but some people, they, they struggle with this regret. Maybe it's that you're stuck in a job that you feel like is dead end, that it's below you, and you're living paycheck to paycheck and you feel a sense of regret or failure about that. Maybe you'll have the moment of regret. I hope, I hope this is never a thing for you where you have to look at your spouse and tell them that you cheated on them. I hope that that never happens, but it's so painful or to be caught, you know, using pornography. It causes so much pain. Or maybe you have a miserable flat marriage and you should do something about it, but you've never done anything about it. You could go to counseling or do something and, and you regret it or you'll look back someday and regret not doing anything. Anything, or maybe you made some promise to God and you said, I will never do that again. And then Thursday came and you found yourself doing it again. And I want you to understand what Samson's story shows us. It shows us that just because you fail, it does not mean you are a failure. In fact, I want you to know that a failure is an event. It's never a person. Just because you fail doesn't make you a failure. Look at Judges chapter 16. Samson had been captured by the enemy, the Philistines. It says, Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. When the people saw Samson, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste to our land. And multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. They had a lot of reason not to like Samson. He had burned down their harvest for the year, their crop. Um, that was pretty crazy, right? Crazy like a fox sent all those little pairs of foxes running through the fields with flames and burned down the harvest. They were pretty mad. And he multiplied their slain. If you remember the story, he found the jawbone of a donkey and he opened a can on the Philistines, right? He just started, dish, dish, donkey bone, donkey bone, like just killed a thousand Philistines, which I admit that as a guy is pretty awesome, okay? So they didn't like him and they capture him. They've got him in this temple and the Philistines temple was kind of like a coliseum. So it was a big open area. Multiple levels of seating were there. And this is the temple where the Philistines worshiped their God of the harvest, Dagon. And if you do some research, you'll see that Dagon, his idol, it had a, a body of a fish and the head of a man, a fish man god, which I just don't understand why you'd want to worship a fish man god, to be honest. Um, like, guys are kind of smelly enough as it is. A fish man, like, is going to be really smelly. Poor choice of gods, if you ask me. 
Kind of silly. I don't understand. Back in that culture, why were these guys worshiping idols so much? They worshiped the idol of Baal uh, in the image of a calf or a cow. Like, why would you worship a bull or a cow, a manure-producing factory that plows fields and produces delicious meat that I'm going to eat? I don't want that for a God. You know, I want to worship the one true God who created everything, man, animals, the universe. That's my God. And it seems silly to think about worshiping an idol like they did. But then it made me think as I was reading this passage about how today we still have idols. Our culture has modern idols that are a little more sophisticated but equally ridiculous. Right? Think about everybody who was just done um, a few minutes ago worshiping at Our Lady of the Arizona Cardinals in Glendale. And they were celebrating and worshiping their God football. You know, I love football. Don't get me wrong. I loved it more last year, but I love it still. And we got a victory tonight, so that's nice. Um, but yet, these people, they'll celebrate, they'll worship, they'll give generously all to watch a ball go back and forth on a field, right? And that's their God. They choose that. It's the most important thing in their lives. Or, or you have guys who their idol is their career. And they think, you know, if I just keep working harder, if I just work hard, if I get another promotion, I'll be satisfied and happy, and I'll be able to provide for my family. But the same family they're trying to provide for is slipping away from them because they don't spend enough time with them. Or maybe an idol is, is stuff, it's stuff, like I just need more stuff. I need to measure for a bigger TV. I need to see if I can get bigger rims on this car. Stuff that's gonna decay and rust is an idol. And I think that the same way the Philistines were mocking the captured Samson, the enemy of God today mocks people who worship these false idols. And in fact, what's sad is that even Christians will get trapped into to worshiping, you know, idols. And I hate to think about the enemy mocking and laughing at you, that you might be led astray by an idol. How, how many times has the enemy of God's people laughed himself all the way to the bank saying, it was so easy to destroy that guy's marriage. All I had to do was give him the opportunity to look at some naked ladies on the computer and he threw it all away. It was easy. I hate to think about that. I hate it. And you don't need to be mocked by the enemy. You don't have to be like Samson in this moment where he's been captured. His eyes had been gouged out. Now he's being used for entertainment. They're probably throwing stuff at him, laughing at him. Where's your God now? Where's your strength? It was the most shameful moment of his life. It was the moment of ultimate failure. Now, there are two responses to failure. The natural response is remorse. Remorse. It, remorse says, man, I am so dumb. Why did I do that? I wish I wouldn't have done that. And when we turn it inward on ourselves, a lot of times we'll just kind of attack ourselves. Like, I can't believe I did that. What was I thinking? So foolish. I can't believe it. Or maybe remorse will be turned outward and you'll blame other people. It wasn't my fault. I'm a victim. I, it's not fair. She did this. Samson could have been blaming his first wife. If you remember, she just nagged him and nagged him and nagged him and he couldn't take it anymore. 
That's the one passage like every guy has memorized from this story is Samson's nagging wife. And, you know, remember Samson told those other guys, don't plow with my heifer. Um, that's another just interesting Bible verse. As a pastor, I'm like, sweet. I love talking about this. Samson, he could have blamed Delilah, right? She seduced me with her, you know, her, her womanly personality. And, and he could have blamed her for, for nagging him. And, and he could have blamed a lot of people. That's what we tend to do when we're in a state of remorse. But the better response to failure is repentance. Repentance is so different. And with repentance, when you repent, you take personal responsibility for your actions. You say, I did this. I blew this. I messed up. I chose to go this way. I had been given a special purpose by God, and I chose to walk away from him and go my own way. And remember we talked about that Samson, he did not ruin his life all at once. Most people don't. Most people do not ruin their lives all at once. They ruin them one step at a time, one little step. And as you step further and further away from God, it's easier to keep going, isn't it? So many of us have gone down that path, and you start walking further and further away. And the next thing you know, you're like, how did I, how did I get here? Well, you got there one step at a time. Repentance, though, is when you're walking away from God, you stop and you turn. You turn around and you go back. You go back to the Lord. In Acts chapter 3, verse 9, Peter said, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. How many people here are grateful that your sins have been wiped out by the blood of Jesus Christ when you place your faith in him, that they are, do not exist in God's memory any longer? It says that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. It doesn't matter what you've been into. When you repent and turn to God, your past is wiped out. It's deleted from his memory bank, and you receive refreshing from the Lord, his supernatural restoration and refreshing in your soul. I've noticed today that it's very easy to get yourself in trouble because of text messaging. <laughs> have you ever done, have you ever, have you ever had a text messaging snafu where you got yourself in, in a lot of trouble? Especially with group messages, you know? Recently, me and some of my friends, my wife, we were all kind of texting each other in this group message about going to dinner and, you know, be there at six, see you there, I'll save a table. And that's cool. That's just what people do. But then later, later that day, you know, me and my wife, we're married. We want to glorify God with our marriage and keep that flame burning bright. You know what I'm talking about? And so sometimes when I haven't been home for a while, you know, a little bit of romantic texting will start, you know, like... My wife usually starts it, you know, and she's like, hey, how's it going? I miss you so much. Can't wait to see you. I want you. It's like, you know, and so I have to, I have to respond. So I have to, I have to write her back, you know, that's right, girl. And I'll send her a little voicemail. I'll make love to you when you want me to. You know it, flame emojis, hearts, fireworks emojis, all of that. But then about 30 seconds later, I got a call from her. You just group texted all of our friends. It's like I sexted our friends, basically. <laughs> And all you can do in a moment like that is repent. <laughs> you can't unsend that text message. You can just 
repent. And that's what, that's what it's like for all of us. We're all going to have times where we mess up, and you cannot unsin. You can only repent. You can't unsleep with the person you slept with. You can only repent. You can't unsee what you saw. You can't unsay what you said. You can't undo what you did. You can only repent. And repentance brings life and freedom. I imagine Samson in this moment, he's in chains um, and he's being mocked by the Philistines. Philistines. I think he had a moment, a moment of just remembrance, a come to Jesus moment, if you will, where he thought to himself, this is not who God created me to be. God did not create me to be entertainment for the enemy. He did not create me to be enslaved like this and shamed. He called me for a special purpose. He set me apart to deliver his people for, 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 to freedom. And, and he was created for something significant. And my prayer for you is that every single one of you will remember that God, he created you for something significant. He created you to glorify him with your life. And I don't want you to let the enemy put you in the same position that Samson was in. The enemy wants to lure you in to the trap of destruction. And he does that with sin and says like, oh, look at what, look at this. And this will make you feel good. Or like, oh, this will make you feel, you know, valuable or, or loved. He'll lure you into situations. Do not let the enemy lure you into the trap of sin. And don't let him trap you in a place of remorse where all you do is just, oh, I wish I would have never done this. I wish I shouldn't, I couldn't have done something different. Why did I get myself in this position? I think about Samson there being mocked. And it made me think about Micah chapter 7 verse 8, where it says, do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I love that. I love it. Don't let the enemy get the last laugh in your life. He doesn't have to get the last laugh. Don't let him. You say, like this passage says, though I have fallen, I will rise. Don't get stuck in a place of remorse. Remorse looks backwards. Look at what I did. I'm such a, I can't believe. Repentance looks forward to the future where God is calling you. Go forward. In Judges chapter 16, it says, when they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. I think this is so powerful. This is a guy that says, I have blown it 1,000 times. I've made every mistake in the book. I let lust pull me down a bad place, a bad path. I, I was entitled. I thought I deserved it. I, I was prideful. I thought that I could handle it. But I don't need two more chances. I just need one more chance. He, it's the way that when we say, I'm going to follow Jesus, I've decided to follow Jesus. Like the old song says, there's no turning back. 
I just need one more chance. He has this true moment of realization and he remembers that God had created him and called him to deliver his people and his spirit started to stir inside of him. And I think in that moment, this guy Samson, who had this incredible strength, he finally understood that it wasn't his long Fabio hair that gave him his supernatural strength. It was his God that gave him his strength. And he started to call out to his God, just one more chance. That's all I need. And it shows you that when a man is down, he is not out. You cannot change your past, but you can change your future. You might have blown it again and again. You might think that you were knocked down, but you weren't knocked out. You might have gotten off, of course, but you're still in the fight, church. You might have made mistakes, but God, he wants to redeem your past for his future glory if you'll put your trust in him and follow him. It's it's not over. It says in Proverbs 24, 16, For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Seven times in scripture is used, this number seven is used as a a representation of completion, completeness. And so when you read this passage, it communicates a very powerful truth. Even though you might fail again and again and again, a righteous man will rise He will rise. And it's not the fact that you rise that makes you righteous. We're not made righteous through our own self-will and determination and goodness. We're made righteous through faith in Jesus Christ. And it's through him that we have the strength to rise. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that is in you and me. And his spirit gives us strength to rise again every time. When you fall, rise again, rise again, don't stop, rise again. Don't let your past mistakes limit your future opportunities. God wants to use you. Every single person here, man, women, you have, you have a special calling on your life. And God wants to do something specific through you. When he created you, he had a specific purpose in mind. And just because you've made mistakes, it doesn't mean that God cannot fulfill his purpose in your life. In fact, it's your past mistakes that God wants to use to prepare you for your future. And God knew in advance when he created you that you were going to make those mistakes. You know that, right? And so when we have gone through some of the garbage that we've all gone through, the mistakes we've made, the bad choices, that is part of our story where we now get to stand and say, look at what Jesus has done in my life. He has gathered my ashes and made beauty from that. He is using broken people to do miracles and touch people. He wants to use you. And guess what? The more jacked up you are, the more God loves to use you to do something great because it gives him all the glory. Don't you know that? That's what I love about God, that even in our failures, God accomplishes his purpose. Even in our failures, God is going to accomplish his purpose. This guy, Samson, he ruled and led these people, the people of God, for over 20 years. But when you read about him in Judges 16 and 15 and 14, it's not a very long story, but primarily it talks about his mistakes and his failures the areas where he blew it. And it makes you ask, well, why is that? Why did this guy who lived a long time and ruled a long time, why did his failures get highlighted by God? But I think it's so obvious, right? Because all of us 
were going to be, well, unfortunately, kind of like Samson. And we were all going to make mistakes. We were going to blow it. But you have to remember when you, when you think about Samson that just because you failed, it doesn't make you a failure. And just because you're down, it doesn't mean that you're out. In Judges 16 here, it says, Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. So even in this last moment of shame, he was able to achieve victory by turning to God, repenting, and he, could st- he was still used by God. And I think it's, in some ways, it's kind of like a happy sort of ending, right? But it's still sad, it's still sad to think about him being in that place. And I can't help but wonder, what more could he have done for God if he had avoided some of those traps, some of those, some of those traps of sin, if he had avoided you know, getting involved in the wrong kind of relationships or getting involved with things he shouldn't have, what more could God have done in his life? But it's an important lesson for all of us that it's never too late to do what God wants you to do. God wanted to use Samson to begin the liberation of his people from the Philistines. And even in that moment when it seemed like Samson's life was over, it wasn't too late for him to do what God created him to do. So no matter what you've gone through, you can still move forward. You might have been knocked down, but you weren't knocked out. You can still move forward. And just the way that Samson had his hands on those pillars and he pushed them down with that last moment of strength, There are pillars in your life that you can push down. So let me ask you this. What pillars are you going to push down in your life? What pillars are you pushing down tonight in this season of your life? What areas in your life have there been strongholds or traps or things that the enemy has tried to lure you into that have been pulling you away from where God wants to take you? Has it been pride or, or maybe some idol like we talked about, like money or, or something? Or maybe it's been lust or, or something. What kind of, of pillars do you need to push down? Is it regret or fear of failure or greed? And then... Once you identify those things, it's important to ask, how are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? You need to ask God to help you to actually move forward and take steps to gain victory in these areas. See, so much of our sin happens in isolation, so maybe for you, one of those action steps could be to to get in a community with other believers, to join a life group, or to serve on a team so that you have other, other Christians around you that can pray with you and encourage you and hold you accountable. Maybe you need to stop watching a certain type of production or show or whatever and get that influence out of your life. Maybe you need to stop hanging around certain people because they've honestly been dragging you down and you don't like the way that you've been acting when you're with them. How are you going to do it? Samson, he did what was right, but... What he did was easy, honestly. He just died in a, in a blaze of glory. It's, it's actually kind of easy to just go down in a blaze of glory like he did. What's way more difficult to do is what you're going to do. It's to die daily. 
Like Paul said, I die daily. Every day we have to die daily to our sinful flesh and our sinful nature and say, I'm not gonna be that person anymore. I'm gonna move forward with what the Lord has called me to. I'm gonna keep my eyes focused on him. It's not always gonna be easy. I'm gonna make mistakes along the way, but I'm saved by grace and I can always turn back to my God. He's always merciful and ready to receive me. He's never done. His plan is to use you. And so you gotta move forward. You gotta, you gotta give him every part of your life and you know that if you trust him and if you follow him and if you submit your life to him, he will do a miracle through you. He will do a miracle in your family. You'll have kids that grow up and they'll exceed your wildest expectations maybe or he'll use you to reach someone who's never heard about Jesus. He will do something amazing in your life. It's like that quote we read the first week. The world has yet to see what God can do through one man whose heart is wholly surrendered unto him. Like D.L. Moody said, I will be that man. Men, women, you can be that man. You can be that woman, that woman of God, that man of God who gives his heart or her heart fully to God and God will do something incredible through you. Just watch and see. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for every person here in this room. You know every background and story that's represented here. And God, I believe that nobody is here by accident tonight. And there might be someone in this room tonight, Lord, that needs to give you every part of their past and have that past wiped out like we read about. We know that that's only possible through receiving your forgiveness and the eternal life that comes through Jesus. So everyone has their head bowed right now. Let me ask you this. If you're here tonight and you need to give your life to Jesus and receive the forgiveness that he offers for sin, you wanna have a relationship with him. You wanna leave the past behind and move forward in the love that God has for you. If that's you tonight, just between you and God, will you lift your hand up right now so I can pray with you before we leave here? If that's you, just lift your hand up. That's awesome. Awesome. Anyone else say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus tonight. Great. If you raise your hand, let's just pray this together. Lord, I know that I have sinned and that my sin separates me from you, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I know that he rose again so that I could have eternal life. I'm moving forward with you. I'm not going back. Thank you for loving me and thank you for giving me strength. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just pray over every single one of you that whatever you've got going on in your life, that you will trust the Lord to give you strength to break free from any addiction and any bondage. There are people all throughout this church who are former alcoholics and former drug addicts and formerly struggling with depression. And it doesn't mean that all of us are perfect by any means, but God can do the unthinkable in your life. And I just pray that his spirit will fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him and pursue him.